When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, but for real though, Garrett's popcorn is not really that good. It's like too cheesy. It's like too much cheese. It's like aggressively sharp. You need to cut it with some caramel, which I will do. Eating popcorn in a hotel room. Popcorn in a hotel room. I'm Corden. We got to get these good chews on here. Ooh, two take. <laughs> All right. Um, listeners, you're going to hear Johnny chew, and you're going to uh, tweet at us what he's chewing, and then you're going to hear me chew, and you're going to tweet at us Ooh. what I'm chewing. Yeah. Okay. Let's get a clean Let's get a clean chew. Okay. Do you want to go first? Uh, no. Be my guest. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. Interesting. Interesting texture. There we go. Okay, that was great. We're going to lock that one. Uh, okay, so for mine, I'm going to do one of each. Okay. One of each. Okay. Mm. And once again, that is just fine. Just fine. Just okay. So that it did have both in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Of what? I won't say. <laughs> Ooh. Popcorn in a hotel room. Competitors are supposed to step out onto the field. There is this sort of central runway kind of platform that extends out onto this moving field. You can see uh, that the competitors are supposed to like walk lined up next to one another as, as they step out onto this runway around you, you know, like there's a lot of cheering. People are just excited to see a a tornado calling, but you can also hear uh, some chatter some confused voices, people talking to one another because they are seeing the Uhuru crew step out in non-standard colors. In contrast, what colors are the Tempest Armada flying? 
So they they are flying blue and white with red detailing. It resembles, uh, in some ways, the Tempest Armada flag, the cyclone with the Mm -hmm. skull heart on top of it. However, this also resembles the colors of one of the schools uh, Ah. that is here in Ungoni clearly that that has adopted to to represent them uh, in any tornado calling matters. Y'all have a completely different look, which I don't know if purple was involved. Now I'm kind of thinking it might have been yellow and brown. Does that sound familiar to people? I don't kind of remember. I, I thought purple was in the Okay, mix. here's the thing. Audience, you know. You have listened to the show, and that's something that we haven't done. So you know what the right thing to picture is, and that's the first thing that we said. I think it's purple and yellow because I remember us picking that, and then I, then I thought, like, isn't that colors we've already used before? And then I thought, no, there's no way. Well, then but, let's let let's say right here we have the power. This, this we can we can say that it is brown and. The other color. Brown and yellow. What, that's that's what we're going to do. It's brown and yellow. That's what like, it is. But ni- a nice brown and yellow. Like yeah, a nice, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, grain with gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, fields I, of gold. I think it is a great combination. Uh, I, I think it is a combination that would also complement pretty much everybody in the party, except for maybe Travis. And that's, that's fine. That's sort of what we <laughs> have to accept. Wait, so is... Is Travis playing? Yeah, Travis is playing. Believe it or not, <laughs> when I put this competition together, it was going to include all of the player characters, especially because one of the things that Travis has to do is act against you in the competition. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so y'all line up on the field. In the center, Oromar is standing across from the Bandit Queen. You can feel, Travis, a a mixture of determination coming off of him, though there is that, you know, same sort of lovelorn anxiety that, that, that you have been feeling really throughout his time in Ungoni as he, you know, very level-headedly stares uh, across the pitch to Sifa, whose, you know, look is sort of unreadable. The, the, the thing that is maybe striking to everyone about this is Sifa's pretty old and so is the captain. The captain does have the advantage of being dead, which probably negates some of the troubles of being old, but like, this is a pretty heavy athletic competition. Meanwhile, on the other side of the pitch, we have Ku Cullen, the wild man himself, the dog of Ulster, or hound of Ulster, he has his hair out and free, streaming in the wind, the beautiful reds mixing with the colorful highlighted strands. Uh, unlike most of the other competitors, his uniform is non-traditional because he does not have a shirt component to it. He is kind of wearing a bit of a skirt. It looks like he has like pulled off the, the top bits and is just kind of letting it hang. 
He still really matches the rest of his team, though, because his skin is light and bright, and he has these beautiful swirling woad tattoos all over his chest, back, and arms. Mixed in there is is a, a dusting of this wild red chest hair and some freckles uh, for flavor. Um <laughs> He is very seriously like eyeing up Gable, maybe even blowing a few kisses your direction. How close uh, is he? I, I, I want to say he is like a good, y- y'all are like five, six feet apart at this point. Uh, you've got to be far enough away that you can't mess with each good, other I before. Gonna, I was going to give him a kick in the nuts. I <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll, 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 we'll wait until like, like, how far is he? He's like, Liz is going to have Gable just <laughs> start a fight. <laughs> then uh, we see Kevin Klein, who has a oh, really. I thought, I thought we said uh, no one, Kevin Klein. Oh, no, Ke- no, Kevin Klein. Who is it then? It's young, Sheldon. young Sheldon. Young Sheldon. How can you forget? Grace? Pay attention, young, James. Or, or Johnny. 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 Uh, so, young Sheldon is sitting across from <laughs> Travis Matigo. Johnny, I would like a quick flashback. How has Travis specifically wronged young Sheldon in his past? Oh, he kept calling him Sheldon. So what I'm learning here is that Sheldon wanted to be called Sheldon. Oh, okay. Hold on. Or then. didn't want to be called Sheldon is, is the thing. He did not want to be called Sheldon. Sheldon. So then maybe I'm... Okay, Travis is the one who called him young Sheldon. Yes, absolutely. so he so there was a Sheldon, <laughs> but mm-hmm. he was like he was like maybe I could be brave Sheldon or maybe I can be strong Sheldon because there's some alliteration there. <laughs> and then Travis was like, "Well, we've already got a Sheldon who's older, so you can be young Sheldon." <laughs> and he's only been on the ship for like five seasons or so. So, but he did you know. just get renewed. For like four well, seasons, mm-hmm. going to be unstoppable. Years. <laughs> and uh, we're never going to be regular Sheldon. <laughs> so he is just glaring daggers at Travis. He's he's doing the throat slit uh, <laughs> uh, miming over at Travis, and then we move down the line to Johnny. Johnny is got her hair pulled back into kind of a ponytail. Uh, her hair, I think, was like pretty much mostly natural before. So it looks very cool in the wind because it is like, it's got this poof in the back that is catching a lot of the wind. And I think she's decorated it to like make it look even more dramatic in that. Um, She is wearing the white and blue. She doesn't have any of the red detailings because she is just part of the dance school that the Tempest Armada has like linked up with. That's why she is in this competition is she is just a member of that school and they can tap her to dance alongside them. On top of that, she has some game day face paint going on. Like it's these beautiful swirling designs that she's got moving up her face. And I think if you've ever played a sport against someone who like regularly does it kind of casually as their everyday thing if you like walk out 
with them, like you get on the court and you're friends, and then suddenly, like they crouch down to get ready to play, and their face and personality changes, and you you are so lo- suddenly no longer staring at your friend, you're staring at an avatar of sports who will do anything to fucking destroy you as soon as the game starts, as soon as that tip starts. That is what Jonnet is seeing right now. There were maybe some friendly, flirty, casual looks that Johnny was shooting them as they were walking out. But as soon as she like stood in stance to play, Johnny is not there anymore. You are playing against number seven, one of the most <laughs> aggressive players in the tornado calling. I so, feel like, <laughs> James, that monologue was like very much motivated by something that had happened to you in the past. <laughs> like, like, I used to have a friend and then we played soccer and I didn't realize how much they played soccer. And it made me feel really bad. I, I like to play basketball. I'll play some basketball with you. What the fuck is happening? Whoa. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess like in like walking up to Johnny, there's probably like fanfare happening. And so Jonnet is trying to at first Jonnet is probably just like, um, I hey, uh, hi, me, kid from earlier, you you were dancing with Hawana. what's how are you on the other side? Oh yeah, well, I think she'll break a little bit. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, I'm already in a school. You know, Hawano doesn't have a school. Then, so then we'll, No, he does. It's brown and yellow. Maybe. We'll see how good he, you do. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> see how good I do? You saw me pick this up hours ago. How good I... <sighs> and with that... The whatever large instrument that is easy for Casey to find <laughs> or Arnie to make sounds signaling the start of the competition. And I am going to give you, you three, a crash course on how this works. Find it tighter, be a fighter, and we're not going home till the war is done. Basically, instead of doing like regular hit points and whatnot, uh, which I think would take a very long time, there are going to be four statuses that you have as competitors. Sleep, poison, paralyze, and confused. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to actually step away from Pokemon, which I know puts you at a, like you're not as much of an advantage as you used to be. But you're going to start all at balanced, which is the surface that you're on is stable. You're you're not off kilter in any way, and you can roll using agility to do most of your dancing maneuvers. Down from there is unrooted, which shifts you from using agility to using brawn. Suddenly, you're not really moving in a dance. You're just trying to make whatever effort you can to stay afloat. And the last status is falling, which also uses brawn. That it represents you literally falling off of a platform and your last desperate moves to stay aboard the platform. If you are falling, you're going to be rolling with one black die. Placed it higher, scoop the fire, and we're never going to finish what we've just begun. 
However, you can also be fluid, which uh, uses agility where you are moving with the wind and with the platform. You can't be surprised by any shiftings that happen, and you will always roll with a blue die to aid yourself. So balance, there, unbalanced, falling, flow. Yep. Okay. And uh, there are, like, in the arena, there are six kind of different major platform pieces. At any given time, some of them are going to be stable and some of them are going to be unstable. So we have uh, three postures that you can take. These are essentially moves that you can do on your turn. Uh, there's the ag aggressive posture where you can try and shift another dancer to a different status up or down the list or, or down the list is like, you know, moving an opponent from uh, balanced to unrooted. There is defending, which is instead of taking an aggressive action, you are preparing an environment for yourself. So that could be like John had pointed out earlier, moving a platform or doing something. Or you can do ascending, which is moving up from one position, one status to another. So moving from balanced to fluid or something like that. The way y'all are rolling is going to be with your core stats, either agility or brawn. And you can upgrade those dice, you know, swap out a green for a yellow if you are describing to me how what you're doing matches with your school. And I will also allow normal things like pulling luminaries and whatnot to intervene on your behalf. Does that make sense to everybody? Does everybody feel like they understand how that works generally? Can you list the names of the actions again? So the actions are aggressive, trying to shift opponents down uh, in their status, defending, which is preparing against environmental shifting or, you know, changing the environment to advantage your allies. And there is ascending, moving from a lower status to a higher status on, on the chart. So with that, that gong sounds, and it's time for people uh, to roll their initiative check, uh, which I believe is off of Vigilance. Oh, jeez. I have three successes and an advantage. I have two advantages. One success, two advantages. So Johnny rolled four successes. We got... Two successes rolled from coup. How do they have so much vigilance? My vigilance, is, I've been playing this game for three years. And they I'm just vigilant. have two dice. And also, I'm going to bet you haven't prioritized it. So, wow, it just goes PC, NPC, PC. All right, whatever. Fun. Fun. Cool. So everybody got advantages. So all of you are going to be starting off on good platforms. Was two advantages the highest advantages? I only got one advantage. One advantage? Okay. So uh, we're going to start Travis off on a platform that is about to shift. Uh, we are going to do Gable on a platform that is solid. 
Jonnet, how many advantages did you get? You got two, two. So you are also on a platform that's solid. We're going to put Sifa on a solid platform with Oromar. And young Sheldon is there. And Johnny is there. Okay. So with that, uh, first things up is an NPC slot. And we're going to start things off with Koo. Koo throws his head back. And like I said, I described it before as kind of that Studio Ghibli thing where when a character is like tapping into power or something, doing something cool and dramatic, like their hair and posture kind of like flares out a little bit. Koo is doing that exact thing as his hair is, you know, blowing dramatically in the wind. And you can see Koo entering what you don't recognize the name of, but you definitely recognize from what happened in the melee earlier. He's entering his battle spasm, which is <laughs> the what it is called when Kukulin canonically and, and his adventures, the, the names of things that you haven't investigated about Kukulin are going to be very entertaining. But yes, he enters his battle spasm uh, and starts to go berserk. His eyes get that same faraway look they had earlier. There is something a bit more animalistic about his posture now. And he is going to take aggressive action against Gable. Ku has a decent agility and he is going to roll his attack against Gable. And he gets... It's just advantages right now. So he is not able to shift you up or down necessarily on a status. But what he is going to do is make the platform... What's that? Doesn't he get an automatic success? Um, Oh, you're right. Oh, thank you for reminding me, Liz. Because then I get him too. Yes, that's true. That's true. You will get an automatic success against him. Uh, So he does succeed. He succeeds with a success and uh, two advantages as he destabilizes your platform. So your platform moves into a destabilized status as Ku also leaps onto your platform. And he strikes out at you with like kind of a this is a very like capoeira type thing he jumps forward he touches down on the platform with his hands into a roll and then sweeps out at your legs beneath you it's not enough to knock you off of the platform i I think you know if you want to tell me how you're able to like step back and dodge so the platforms are in the air do they mm-hmm. have like chains or things hanging off of them, or are they just? Yeah, they're they're kind of being like held up by like chains or thick ropes. I, I haven't committed to you know what look I like more. I kind of like the idea of them like almost being kind of a silk rope type thing, because it's not as clanky as chains. It's a little bit more delicate and beautiful, but still very springy. Yeah. So I think the the way the gable sort of dodges is by grabbing. A rope that's at their foot and kind of counterbalancing themselves a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You you like go down. There's probably some netting on it. But the thing that you are finding as as like you've you've stepped back and moved away is that the platform is now wobbling because Ku has has leapt upon it like that. 
which is not a great position. It's extremely disorienting. And he lets out kind of like a howl, like like a hound would howl into the air. You fucking uh, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> we, we move on to a PC slot. John's going to take that. Yeah. Yeah, do it. I need to know who is the pairing directly on either side of Jonnet. Um, so right now you are on a platform with Oromar and Sifa uh, right near you. It is oh, one of the geez. most sta- stable platforms, but like those, those are the people who are with you right now. Okay. Well, this was in my head to do it. So I'm going to do it. Uh, so Jonnet is not going to engage Johnny immediately. He's going to go to the closest opponent that's not Johnny. So I guess he's going after Sifa. Ooh, cool. I, I like it. Um, are you? So you're t- making an aggressive move against Sifa. For that, you are going to roll uh, your agility. And if you can describe it in a way that you think is informed by the style you learned, you can upgrade that. I feel like this, I I don't know if that's going to happen. I feel like this first, he's definitely not in the style right now. Um, Cool. What am I rolling against? Uh, So you are going to be rolling against two purple. Boop, boop. That is one success. All right. Uh, so you are going to be able to move forward and uh, yeah, describe your attack. Yeah. What does it I look f- like? It's, it's very, it's borderline clumsy. He, it's like he starts his momentum forward. He then has an internal monologue of just at Johnny, like, nope. And then he kind of curves himself to the next closest person, which is going to be Sifa. And since it is a success, maybe it, he bumps like, maybe throws a little bit of an elbow at Sifa high to maybe destabilize Sifa so that Oromar can get a better attack when it's his turn. Oh, okay. Okay. So what I I think then we'll do, uh, this is maybe more of a defending action. You're preparing the environment for Oromar. So Oromar is going to get two blue dice on his turn when he takes it, which next up is a piece or is an NPC slot. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. I just want to make sure that I've got everybody on the board here. Gable did have a success against them. So you are now unrooted and John it. Okay. All right. Uh, so I've got that in there, uh, which means it is time for an NPC slot. And I really think we need to dig in on the drama here. We, we need to go for the gut and settle a longstanding rivalry. So young Sheldon springs forward at Travis with a <laughs> ululating howl. And, you know, he... Uh, unlike really everybody else who is part of this competition has not trained for this at all. Young Sheldon, I'm, I'm going to say has just one agility to his name. I am going to upgrade it because he is just using the power of his anger right now. He's really <laughs> embracing the dark side here. Uh, however, young Sheldon also rolled very poorly on his initiative and has started off on an unstable platform. So, so young Sheldon uh, actually uh, uh, succeeds in 
Well, I, no, he's he's neutraled out there. So I'm going to have young Sheldon call to a luminary uh, because, of course, <laughs> you got to do that. Oh, I my guess. God. I want to use hope- every mechanic. I designed this little stupid competition. <laughs> I'm going to use all my little rules for it. <laughs> I want young Sheldon to do to fuck up so bad instantly that he falls off the platform and dies. <laughs> he gets the butcher. He sacrifices himself. He splays open like a chicken. <laughs> Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I am so pleased to report that our Kickstarter for the second season of Skyjack's Courier's Call is going incredibly! At the time of this recording, we've nearly hit our $17,000 stretch goal, which will ensure that myself, Drew Merzieski, Jeff Stormer, and Aaron Catano Saez once again enter the realm of all my fantasy Skyjacks where we'll be putting together some of the most entertaining minds in world building to build a new section of sphere. And because we've nearly hit that stretch goal, I can let you all in on a little secret. The $20,000 stretch goal for Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 2 is going to be a new song by Arnie Parrott. Folks, if you made it this far into Skyjacks, you know that Arnie's music is one of the best things about our show and our universe, and I would do pretty much anything to see more of his music get made. So if you haven't backed the Kickstarter for the second season of Courier's Call, head over to bit.ly slash skyjackscc2. That's bit.ly slash skyjacks, the letter C, the letter C, the number two, or search for Kickstarter for Courier's Call season two. So you can join us as a backer and help us make a new season of our all-ages spinoff for Skyjacks. Before we get back to our episode, I want to take a quick moment and thank all of our backers on Patreon. Without you, we wouldn't be able to make this show. And we certainly couldn't produce this show on the weekly schedule that we've all become accustomed to. Now, normally, in order to produce Skyjacks on a weekly schedule, we need to be at $8,500 a month on our Patreon. The Patreon has dipped below that level, but I've cut some costs in the network recently. Uh, We currently don't have our studio active, so I'm going to float us at least for this month. But if you like what you hear here on Skyjacks and you want to hear more of it, I really recommend heading over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up to support us. Not only does it help us make this show that you love, but of course it also gets you cool bonus rewards. Like the bonus series airing on our Patreon right now, the Courier's Call crossover with Jolly Jack. That's going to be an eight-part series for you to enjoy if you back at the $5 level or more. So once again, head over to patreon.com slash podcast and sign up if you can. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. If he did fall off of Ngoni, like there would be time to like maybe get a bird and like try <laughs> and like, be a discussion. do something. <laughs> well, uh, 
also, I mean, for this competition in the Tempest calling, there is a net ben- or in the tornado calling. There is a net beneath you. It's not like they just kill people. In, it's a Sheldon-sized hole, though. Yeah. Yep. Okay, he got young the, the soldiers, which is death, deception, and memory, which I, I think we, we just get another flashback. Well, uh, I think now that uh, Sheldon is gone, it is time for us to consider maybe uh, giving a nod to young Sheldon and, and upgrading him from young Sheldon to just regular Sheldon or perhaps a more flattering nickname. Uh, people have suggested Buff Sheldon. People have suggested Handsome Sheldon. I suggested uh, Handsome su- Sheldon, yes. Yeah, and, and, and there was I, one suggestion from um, uh, one of the more inappropriate members of the crew for Big Dick Sheldon. <laughs> and I think any of these names are a better fit than Young Sheldon. Well, if it's if it's got to be one of them, I I would I do love Young Sheldon, but if it's got to be a different one, I'd say Regular Sheldon. <laughs> well, well, hold on. You do love Young Sheldon? Well, if somebody loves a name, I don't want to change it. So we'll just keep young Sheldon forever. 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 (laughs) 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 He just explodes through the cloud of the memory. (laughs) With with the power of the soldiers at his back, he does like this awkward kind of grasping claw at Travis, which is enough to unroot you. Young Sheldon has in the process really messed up. There are three threats against him. The next time he rolls a die or or if anybody rolls against him, they'll be able to upgrade their dice. uh, And if he rolls a die, he will be rolling against a red die instead of a purple die. But, you know, he did manage to accomplish something. Travis is now unrooted. You're going to be rolling with brawn instead of agility uh, until you can ascend and you are going to have, uh, well, actually, you're just unrooted. So brawn instead of agility. With that, we've got a PC slot up and I'm actually going to have Oromar take that slot because Oromar was just set up by Jonnet to, to do the old Melvin. I think it's like kind of that awkward thing uh, getting in there. But Ormar saw what you were putting down and has moved in uh, with, I think, like this is much more within the style. It is stepping in a way uh, where it almost feels like his upper half is not moving in the same way as his lower half. Uh, Maybe it looks a bit like moonwalking, where the way that he is stepping in and of itself is deceptive to try and set himself up to unroot Sifa. So Oromar is going to be rolling his agility. And Oromar, uh, wow. Oh, that's right. I need to roll the dice that we got from Jonnet there. Okay, Oromar just barely succeeds on that. I was going to say, after setting him up, that would have been a kind of a bummer. But yeah, (sighs) thanks to Jonnet's blue dice that he put down there, Oromar steps in because Jonnet is on Sifa's other side. She actually, like, has to rock back on her heels, and she is suddenly not standing as firmly and is going to have to sort of desperately scramble to move. Hold tight to the hands you've grown. 
we now move to another NPC slot, and we're with Sifa. Sifa is rocking back. Uh, she does not have the best brawn, but she has done this before, and she is going to target Jonnet. She is going to make an aggressive roll against Jonnet. Bring it on. And uh, she does not succeed. She tries to drop down and shift her hips into Jonnet to uh, into Jonnet's chest, basically giving you a bit of a booty bump to send you flying. Uh, but it didn't quite work. How did Jonnet get out of the way? I feel like there's this is probably like a small hint of Hawano where Jonnet kind of like feels the the air coming at him <laughs> like the impending booty bump and he just kind of like rolls in the opposite direction back around her and mm. kind of like does a small little twirl and sort of like lands on the other side very very cool all right so yeah that brings us to a pc slot i believe uh gable or travis i would like to if i may Okay. So what does what is losing? <laughs> losing yeah. is is being th- uh, like thrown off one of these platforms in some way. Uh, so like if your feet touch the ground. So yeah, if you hit the net beneath these shifting platforms, you have lost. But if I fall but I my feet don't hit the ground, so if you were to fall off a platform and like cling to the side of it and you don't actually touch the net below, you are technically still in play. I want to tackle Ku off the platform and then have him, we both fall and then he falls first and I'm just standing on him like a skateboard. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like yeah, I never okay. touch the ground. And then you I'm never touch the net, off. and you're gonna like kind of bounce and jump off his chest to like get on yes. back on a platform. I Mario, love that, basically. <laughs> yeah, make make an aggressive roll. You are going to be rolling with your brawn now instead of your agility because you are unrooted. And if he can describe it within Hiwano's style, you get an upgrade. Oh, I can definitely do that. What's that? And you have an automatic success too. Because oh yeah, okay. Is. Oh, then I don't need an upgrade. I will I will upgrade because I like the description. All right, so that altogether will be four successes and two advantages. Um, Ooh, holy shit. But the the way that that it's in Hoano style is because as we learned in the montage is that sometimes it's not that hard. Sometimes you're thinking too much. Maybe sometimes you're just going to do whatever the easiest thing is because that's the right thing. So after seeing like all around them, all of this wonderful artistic dancing and realizing like that's kind of not really my style, Gable just looks at Ku, who's like snarling and howling like a dork (laughs) and just guns it over to him, bear hugs him, and they both do a swan dive off the side of the platform. And... In the middle of the fall, Gable flips them over and puts feet down to make sure that Ku hits the net first and they never their feet never hit the ground. Okay. So you did get a lot of successes on this one, which I think puts 
we, we will put coup in the falling position. When somebody goes into the falling position, they do have an opportunity to save themselves before they're out of the game. But like four successes, that many advantages, coup has a lot of odds stacked against him right now, Easy. which is good because some dramatic stuff is going to happen once we reach the end of the round. We come to an NPC slot. And we have, we've got Johnny has recognized that Johnnet is kind of vulnerable right now. She's been playing these games. She knows how this goes. Uh, she hops off of her platform and moves near Johnnet. And uh, she is going to do a kind of aggressive sweep. The rules for how you are allowed to touch opponents are kind of very specific. This generally <laughs> isn't a swinging and punching sport. Uh, they're allowing some allowances because, you know, everybody here, like most of the people here barely know how to play. But Johnny knows. And what you are allowed to do, you can't like full on hit someone in the chest, but you can dance near them and like tip them a little bit. So she does this kind of sweeping movement with her arm and gets a little bit underneath Jonnet's heel and lifts a little bit in the right way to balance him over backwards, maybe uh, depending on uh, how successful she is in this role. She is much better at this uh, than other people. Okay. She gets two successes. So, Jonnet, you are going to move from unrooted into falling, which is bad. Next time around, you are, again, going to be rolling with strength, with brawn instead of agility, and you will have a black die to that roll. If you don't succeed at it, you are out of the competition. Um, mm. We come down to our final PC slot, and that is Travis. Now, here's the thing that I think about this. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that Travis would actually be very good at this because I think it's very similar to his like fighting shooting style. I agree. So I think that when when young Sheldon sort of comes at him and knocks him off balance – he's able to kind of like shift his weight and move that into like a nice little counter attack. All right. I like that. Upgrade two of your dice. One, because young Sheldon is not doing right well right now. And uh, two, because it is within a style that uh, you know that would work in this competition. Um, and you said this is going off of Brawl? Uh, so for you, you are unrooted right now. So this would be brawn. Brawn. Um, okay. So, so that would tell you how many dice you're rolling, and you would upgrade two of those dice. What if and it's I against two, two purple? So my brawn is one. So that's how do I upgrade two of one? So it's going to be a yellow and a green for you. Okay. And then what was I rolling against? I'm sorry, I was too caught up in the dice count. You are going to be rolling against uh, two purple. Oh, okay. I can do this. Why is it? Oh my gosh. Did it? That's completely neutral. You can ask a luminary for help. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Let's see who's on your side. That'll determine what Let's you would have to do to make it work. Uh, the butcher, you're going to have to draw some blood. 
if you want if you want to pull this off, you gotta you gotta go fucking hard against Young Sheldon. Yeah, he's pissing me off. <laughs> Don't we all? Let's do it. <laughs> How does he do it? Well, the Goldbergs comes on right after, so that's a real <laughs> draw for the. <laughs> um, if you know a wrestling move that Goldberg does, I would just sort of allow that to sit in place. So I think what happens is, how the fuck am I gonna draw blood? I mean, can I? Can I? Do you, I, I, do they check you for weapons before this thing? It feels dangerous to have like weapons on you. Yeah, you cannot have weapons. Uh, <laughs> like you, you would have to really have worked to sneak a weapon in. I mean, you can break his nose. Oh, so it can be his blood that I draw. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It doesn't need to be your blood. Yeah, it, I'm gonna... this needs to be kind of a brutal fucking thing that you do. Then uh, when he comes at me. It sort of like catches me off guard and I like it throws me off balance. But then I I use that momentum to like basically kind of like turn around so that I'm almost like a bullfight. So he kind of like comes at me. I move out of the way, move past him. And then I kind of do that. Use my my this part of my hand to like get his nose up. Do a palm strike up on his nose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, you you like sort of awkwardly catch him, uh, like he he barrels into you awkwardly. You step back and palm strike up and sort of let him skid past you a little bit, and you know we can see shimmering globs of blood coming out of his freshly broken nose as he screams. And young Sheldon now is unrooted. He's going to have to use brawn, which is also not one of his better stats. All right. So we come to the end of the round, which is now where we look at stable and unstable platforms. The platforms that were unstable, which is now three of the platforms, because one of them was made unstable by Koo and Gable and they're struggling. Those platforms shift to the point where they can temporarily not be used. Other platforms that were stable move into a shifting territory, and ones what well, ones that were like neutral are kind of like ascending now. So, Jonnet, the platform that you are on, like you can feel the shifting begin to start. The one platform nobody is on is just like currently not valid. Another platform that nobody is on is currently not valid, and the coup and Gable platform is currently not valid, which I think strikes dramatic sense because neither of you, like you, you sort of tackled people off that platform right now. Travis and Sheldon, you young can feel Sheldon. your plat Young Sheldon, that's right. Thank you. You can feel that platform starting to shift. And one of the other platforms is like sort of firmed out and is is no longer in a danger zone. We come to the top of the round with an NPC slot. I think it is best to give this over to Ku Cullen. Ku Cullen, now being falling, is rolling with Brawn, which is good for him because there are a lot of problems that he is facing otherwise. Uh, He is going to have to make a hard check against three purple dice to ascend and no longer be falling. And I think he also has a 
two black dice against him. This is a tough roll, folks. Okay. Uh, he gets one success and uh, two threats. Yeah. So he manages to grab onto one of the silk ropes. He has a firm grasp on that rope, but go, oh, do I want to do that? Yeah, I think I do. do it. So I was miming with my hand that uh, he grabbed onto the silk rope with his hand, but Ku is like kind of in the middle of a bestial freak out right now. So like he bounces off one of these silk ropes with his hand and lunges forward with his teeth. Uh, Gable, you are tackling him, like full on bodily tackling him right now. So you have a pretty good view. You can see that his teeth look like they are getting sharper. Like he is a snarling beast. He clenches down on that silk rope and you can feel your weight and his weight bounced against it. He has kind of as firm a grip as you can have with your teeth on rope. He is not falling right now. So he has moved from falling to simply unrooted and we move on to a PC slot. Huh. So where am I? Uh, you, you've got your arms around Ku, who has his teeth on a silk rope dangling above the netting below. You are currently unrooted, so you're doing this with brute strength. Uh, there is no grace to your movements here. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to shake him. Uh, I'm yeah. just going to shake him. <laughs> <laughs> All gonna, right. I'm just going to shake him. Roll Lego. it. Lego. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is going to be versus two purple dice. And you get an automatic success because he is in the middle of the battle spasm. That is five successes and a threat. Oh, Is that enough? Yeah. That is enough. Wow. That is enough. Oh, and this is so perfect. Your, your platform is right next to Travis's platform here. So you and Ku, yeah. like you, you <laughs> do an aggressive shake. Lego. Uh, you're you're, Lego. you're shimmying and, and shaking. Ku is like desperately trying to clench his teeth down. He wraps his legs around you to like try and firm up his position, but it's not enough. Take and you are, he is beneath you. You are falling now towards the netting. The threat is it is going to be difficult for you. You're going to have a black die. I'm going to ask a second roll of you because you went into this wanting to pin Ku to the net and then bounce off of him so you yes. could get up to a platform. You can do that. Like uh, this is an average roll because you were anticipating this. Uh, I think you can also upgrade this. This feels like in the spirit of flow of kind of what you're doing. But yeah, you you're trying to grab this platform. Make a make a brawn check against two purple dice. Okay. And if I'm upgrading, what does that that changes a green die to a yellow die. Um and if you have all yellow dice, you are adding a new die. Gotcha. A new green die. Tis four successes and four threats. Ooh. Hell yes. Wow. So 
I, I think this is perfect. You, Ku is, is rat, like got his legs wrapped around you. He is like snarling, trying to reach his, his face towards yours. He is basically biting at you as he does it. How do you do the bounce? What does the bounce look like? Uh, <laughs> so like I said, we, we try to arrange him like he's a snowboard and I've got a hand at his head and a hand at his <sighs> legs. And then we hit hit the ground or hit the net and to counteract like the bounce to actually like get a good trampoline bounce, Gable like pulls themselves in like full taught yoga squat basically brings him up and then throws him down as hard as they can to try and hopefully grab a silk rope up top yeah so i i think you do and you get a really good bounce on this like this is some anime level shit is like you go down you hit that net and we can see zoomed out like kind of an explosion of energy as that net bounces really hard down and you ride up on Ku's chest to hurl yourself in the air. You do get four threats on this, correct? Yes. I give him the finger and then I yes. sprain my finger. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. You give him the finger. You've got an arm reached up and you grab the edge of Travis's platform. Ooh. So now you are are dangling off the platform, not unlike our friend Mufasa from the Lion King franchise, looking up at Travis and young Sheldon as they fight it out above you. Which brings us to an NPC slot, and we've got we've got young Sheldon here. <laughs> young Sheldon is just having a time, having a bad day. Young Sheldon. <laughs> oh boy, he's got to roll against a red. That's right. Um, <laughs> he's just going to try and was eliminated la- before Young Sheldon. And I hope he doesn't forget that. <laughs> I, hope, I hope no one forgets that. Uh, young Sheldon fails miserably. I, I, I think Young Sheldon, with that failure, shifts into the falling position. So he like tries to whirl around and, and face Travis and I think kind of causes his own downfall in that he bumps against like Travis's hand with his broken nose. So he like flies backwards. His head flies backwards. He goes sailing off the platform behind Gable. So uh, that brings us to another uh, PC slot now. What what would I do now that young Sheldon is out? So help, now that help, young Sheldon is out, <laughs> uh, you do have Gable hanging okay, off of the platform, platform right beneath you. And you could potentially help Gable back up onto the platform. Also, the platform that you're standing on is about to go. So... What I would love to do is use, take, uh, I'll take this slot, please. And I would love to grab my half cape and Uh like remove it and like swing it down for Gable to grab and then like 
you know, kind of fling them back up. Sure. Love the half cape play. <laughs> yeah. Useful. Roll, Useful. Roll it. This is a, this is a brawl. Now, I will remind you that you did promise that you would act against Gable in this combat. That is a magical thing that you are bound to. I'm not saying you have to do it here, but I am saying you will have to do it. So what happens? You said this this platform is about to leave. Yeah, this platform is about to go. What happens if you're still on it? Then you're out? If you're still on it, the platform is going to disappear and you're immediately going to be falling. So what I would like to do, how close is the closest platform that we'll be staying? So you you are, I, I think Gable is like kind of far from the next platform. Like if they were to muscle up and and climb up on their own by the time they did it they wouldn't have time to jump to the new platform but you know if someone is helped up they will have the potential so what i what i kind of want to do is help gable up onto this platform and jump to one that will be staying so basically they'll be like taken up with this platform and i'll be gone okay so you are going to help them up, but also destabilize this platform to the point w- with your jump to the point where it won't be useful anymore. So you'll help them up yeah, and, and basically spin the platform on your way out. So All hopefully right. they won't be able to jump off before it. Yeah, that vacates. sounds to me like you are doing, not that the difference between these uh, moves matters, especially you're doing a, a defending, you're uh, a, a shifting the environment around you as part of this jump. You are, it looks like, still unrooted. So you're, you're still rolling off brawn here, but uh, give me that roll. Okay. Do I get any power-ups i mean you tell me it's a well i think i'm still good at this in the same way that i was before (laughs) so here's the thing uh you know we are saying that you are good at this because of savat right because of of this this martial Mm -hmm. art about uh, being on unstable surfaces and and kicking a lot if you were saying that i am like kicking gable or I am going to like jump off Gable's face or something like that. I'd be like, yeah, you're, you're incorporating Savat in there, but like you are pulling someone up and doing a jump, which doesn't feel within the style. Fair enough. That is a success and a threat. All righty. So yeah, you, you are going to do that. I, I think as you land on the next platform, it is n- not a graceful landing and you shift it from being a stable platform into an unstable platform, but you've also shifted the platform that you're currently on into not a platform. So Gable, you are once again falling. Hmm. Don't, don't want that. Thank you.
A fine toast you offered there indeed. Though, if you wouldn't mind, spare a minute to sit and talk to an old Skyjack. Aye, that's it. It's always good that one so young as yourself takes time to listen to those who are older with more experience. It's easy to pass off the barks of an old sky dog like myself as the doddering rants of an old drunk. But take heart when I tell ye that ye best be careful toastin' with take flight around certain folk. I suppose you're still learning your knots though, so you might not know what it means. And as it happens, I've found a fresh pint here, so allow me to take the time to educate ye. Back about three score, when the Red Feathers called themselves the Red Feather Company rather than the Red Feather Syndicate, their business was very different. Today, the Syndicate deals in just about any industry that touches the sky. And those they don't, they're working on, you can mark my words. But when they started out, they did three things. Make weave, sell weave, and turn sea ships into sky ships. Even after about forty years of the Mariner waging his bloody war against all those who call land and port home, there were folk who still sailed the sea. Blood spilt by mad sailors is a worthy cost for trade for a few, while others sailed to rally against the drowned fleet, and still more came from seafaring places that had no choice but to brave the damned call of the tide. Still, those left sailing were only a few, and sailing used to be the biggest thing there ever was. Harbors, shorelines, and old shipwright docks were loaded with vessels, gathering barnacles and waiting to sink into the deep. The feathers came down from the sky with a miracle woven into yards. With a little work, every part could turn those old leaking heaps into a sky ship. A new chance at making a life. According to sources I trust better than any red feather historian I ever met, the weave peddlers and sky riggers advertised their services with a handsome little image of a ship with wings that said, Take flight. At the time, it meant lifting off into a new life of discovery, fortune, and adventure in the sky. It used to be that if a body didn't like their lot in life on the ground, their only choice was to lay down in the soil. There were no ferries waiting to take you across the water, and traveling to the next town over the hill almost certainly meant crossing the river. But now, there was freedom to choose. You could always sign on with a crew to sail or rig. And if you shared in enough fortunes, you could buy some weave and make your own company. From the Red Feather's own mouth, take flight was a widely accepted call to freedom and independence. Whether that be true or not don't matter exactly. Decades later, when the Feathers made their declaration of ownership and tried to declare all weave in the sky to be their property, the privateers they had sold weave to bound together and used that same saying against them. Take flight became a call to arms against folk who had been so fickle with the gift of the sky. It was making a declaration back to take flight from the feathers who imagined themselves the owners of it. Eventually, the privateers won their struggle and forced the syndicate to recognize their bills of sale. And that's when the privateers lost their backbone and grew content to have their weave, even if it meant having it at the pleasure of the feathers. 
It's also the moment that Take Flight fell to the Corsairs. All Skyjacks know that freedom is not a thing to be granted by some petty lord with writ and blood and pockets lined with laborers' gold. It's owned by each soul born under the sky and breathing its air. Flight is claiming that freedom and all the fortune and hardship it bestows. A Corsair doesn't sail by Redfeather Law or Privateer's writ. They sail with the strength of their back, keen of their mind, and love of their fellows. And they'll defend that by blade of cutlass or fire of cannon. Take flight is saying you have the will to face the cutting stone, and you control your own destiny. That you'd pour sweat and spill blood for your own right and any jack who'd sail at your side. If that be the sort of folk you are, then I'll raise this point to ye. There are no kings. Take flight. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like OneShot. Take it from me, heroes. The most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on OneShot... I, your host, James D'Amato, bring you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere. And it's a great way to find new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with One Shot on your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at CaseyPony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y 
P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.